0: Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. This week, the message um, that we're going to be dealing with this week is titled The Call of God. And this the danger of teaching something like this, and yes, I said danger on purpose. The danger of teaching something like this is... Everyone who hears it is now responsible to act on it. And I guess I probably should have told you this before you ever started coming to RCC, that any message that you hear, preached from the word of God, that, um, that you hear, it increases your knowledge. That's great. You have to go past knowledge and put it into action, which is why we spend the end of every service asking, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you and encouraging you to instantly obey that direction so we are supposed to as people who are followers of jesus christ disciples of his we are supposed to take god's word understand it spend some time with him in it and then apply it and that application we are going to be responsible for that application of what we were heard of what we heard when we get to heaven and stand before god we're going to be responsible for what we did with his word. So, <clears throat> um, so, if you didn't know that, now you do. And don't panic. There's, there's some grace there for you. And um, you don't have to prove it to me. You know that you put it into action. You'll be able to see it, probably the fruit of your life. But um, as much as you have to do that, it is not an instruction from a pastor to a congregation. That is an instruction to me and you, all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. We have to put what we're hearing today and every week into action, okay? <clears throat> so when we hear about the uh, the statement, typically the call of God, um, I was a denominational kid growing up. I was, you know, that I was born and they took me to church and, you know, stamped the good old tattoo right there on my backside, you know, for my, for my simply God, you know, a denomination and We went there and, you know, even when we went out of town, we went to go find the AG denomination church, you know, in the yellow pages where we used to have yellow pages. I'm dating myself there. Sorry. Um, But when I would always hear in youth group about the call of God, and there was just a big thing to me about the call of God, pursue the call of God. What's God called you to do? What's God called you to do? And I would hear people say this all the time and ask me the question. And there would be times where I'd be like, I don't know. What am I called to do? And I would see some people, you know, in the youth group, they would panic I don't know. I have to give an answer because they're always asking me, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? And some people just make stuff up. I'm called to swim. You know, no, that's not what we're talking about here, buddy. You know, so and so as we hear this word, we can also from a cultural context and for um, for church, especially here in America, we can think that the call of God applies to people who are in the quote unquote ministry. Like the call of God would apply to Micah or to Nina or to me or to anyone else who stands here or teaches or or Brian or anyone like that who kind of works on, on, on a more day-to-day basis of what's going on for, for RCC. And you would only be partly right, but typically when people say that there's a call to i feel called to do something i feel called to this area or called to that area they they think of a passage of scripture that's become wildly famous and and used out of context and that is many are called but few are chosen there you go we can do that one more time many are called but few are right so it's almost like you know if, if that's your mindset that, um, only the people that are like working at the church or whatever, they, those are the ones who are quote unquote called to do something. Um, what you're going to do is when you look at that scripture, it's almost like an audition, like in Hollywood, like you put out like this mass ad, many are called, come on in, let's see here. And then when you get in there, you read the lines or you pray real quick and be like, okay, I'm going to take these four, everybody else go away. Many are called or few are chosen to actually do the job. And that can be the understanding. And what you're going to find today as we go through scripture is that is not what this says at all. Many are called or few are chosen has nothing to do with your God-given life job. And in only two places in the New Testament, only two places in the New Testament, do we find the word called being referred to as a God-given assignment or task. When I dug into this and I started looking at this and I I was surprised to find that there's actually multiple calls in scripture to people and to us as believers. And we're going to go through what these calls are this week. So the first call, number one in your notes is, um, is our first call. And this is the entire passage of that many are called, but few are chosen scripture that we just use that one little line. We're going to back up remember this is our tool we back up and get a running start to read what else comes before and after it to understand fully what it's trying to tell us okay so i'll read this out loud you can follow along in your notes matthew 2 or 22 excuse me verses 2 through 14 the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son this is jesus talking to all of his disciples when the banquet was ready, the king sent his, ser- his servants to notify, those, uh, to notify those who were when invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fatted calf have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests that he, the king, had in- invited ignored them and went on, their own, went on their own way, one to his farm, one to his business. Others seized his messengers, insulted them, and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now, go out into the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he said, or he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet, throw him into that utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, after reading that passage, would you say that being called in this context has anything to do with your God-given life job? No. This passage is Jesus using it as an illustration to say that he has chosen people, the Israelites. He's invited them to be, to, to be in relationship to him and to come to this wedding feast. where the bride of Christ, right? He's invited them as his children to come and be a part of this wedding, and they refused to To be a part of it they rejected his son they rejected jesus the messiah and then he he sends other people again and the a lot of scholars believe that the other people he's referring to in this passage are the apostles and the disciples they go out and they tell everybody again hey jesus is here he he um he you know he's he died he rose again he is the only way to salvation and what happened to most of the apostles they were put to death Not all of them, but most of them were killed. All of them were insulted in some way, shape, or form. And then he says, okay, the people I invited are not coming. So now I'm going to open the door, not to just a specific group I invited, but to everyone. Now everybody, Gentiles and everybody, now get a chance to come in here and invite everybody. So then you got people coming. Everyone's coming. And he walks in and he says, hey, there's somebody here that's not in the correct attire. Now, when I read this, I thought, man, this king's pretty harsh. I mean, he wore the wrong shirt and he got kicked out into utter darkness. Like his tie and his vest wasn't popping or something, right? It did not match. How in the world is he throwing him out for that? It's because before he was given the order to come, he was given the instructions how to come. And the person who tried to come tried to come his own way and refused to submit to what the king wanted. And the king says, I know you're here. You can't come any other way. You have to submit here. And he removed that person and kept everyone else who came in the way he presented. Because many are called, but few are chosen. What he's saying here. That said, many people were invited to the wedding. Only few accepted the invitation. How do you know that, Matt? <clears throat> Seems like it might be a little bit of an assumption on your part. Okay, um, that, that is very true. Let's dig down into what these words mean real quick. That first definition of the word called, it will be the first line in your notes there, is um, the, the Greek word kletos. And if I said that wrong, you'll never know because no one speaks Greek here, I don't think. If I did, I apologize. Um, The definition of the word called is the word kletos, and it means this. It's um, the first definition of this word. It means invited by God, first line, invited by God in the proclamation of the gospel to obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom through Christ. That's what called in that sentence means. That word chosen, it's the Greek word um, eklektos. It's next line in your notes. It means up to obtain salvation through Christ. Obtain salvation through Christ. And then the second definition underneath it is Christians are called chosen or the elect of God. So we take those definitions and reread the scripture in context. Next line in your notes, it says this, everyone... Everyone is invited to obtain salvation through faith in Jesus, but few will put their faith in Christ and receive salvation. So when you hear the statement, many are called, but few are chosen. This is actually the invitation to everyone come to Jesus, come to God through faith in Christ. But even though many are invited, some will try to find their own way in. They will not submit to the king, and he will remove them. There are other people who will just refuse to come. This is not a, a moment where Jesus is talking bad about the Israelites. He's talking about, he's talking about everybody who was invited, who refuses to come, can't get in another way. Many are called. Everyone is, re, is, is open to receive salvation, but few, not everyone, a smaller portion than everyone will actually come to faith in Christ and obtain that salvation this is the first call how do we know that matthew 633 jesus's words earlier in the in the same same book but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek him where? First. Our first call is to Christ Himself. It's the next line of your notes. Our first call is to Christ Himself. What does that mean? There's ramifications for that. It's the next line following that. And the last note for point one, we cannot fulfill our life's purpose or calling apart from Christ. We cannot fulfill our true life's purpose or calling apart from Christ. Now, you may sit here and go, well, Matt, I know people who aren't saved or atheist or agnostic or some other religion and they tell me that they've found their purpose in life they found their calling they found what they're supposed to do Mm -hmm. they found what they think they're supposed to do they have found something to to justify or rationalize their own efforts or meaning but until we come to Jesus, until we answer that call, until you go back to your creator and get your identity from him, you are not going to fulfill everything that he has for you. Why? Because you're not God and neither am I and none of us are smart enough to figure out what our exact call is supposed to be apart from him. Doesn't work. If so, then coming to him first would be optional. Come to me if you can't figure out what your purpose is. Come to me if you can't figure out what you're, what you're supposed to be doing. Come to me if you don't know what direction in life you need to go. But if you got to figure it out, go on to step two. Mm-mm. Our first call is to Christ himself. And until we answer that call, until that calling overruns our heart and our life, everything else is diminished. Everything else is diminished. Our first call call. The call of God is first for everyone to himself. Number two, our second call. First Corinthians chapter one, Paul introduces himself in this letter to the church in Corinth. And um, he says this, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, our, and our brother Athenius, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call, them, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. In that verse two, he says he's writing to the believers in Christ who are called to be his holy people. In some translations, if you have a different version or a different translation, it may say called to be saints. That's just a translation decision that the translators made in that particular um, version of the Bible you're reading. But it all comes back to one thing, his holy people. For, and, you know, we deal a lot in the New Testament, and a lot of it's been written by Paul, but Peter says almost the exact same thing in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Here's what Peter says, another apostle. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. I don't want us to uh, to read that last line incorrectly. That scripture is not saying that when you get saved, everything you do is now holy. Mm -mm. It doesn't say that you just got a stamp of approval and everything you do and everything you do is righteous and all that, and you're all good. No, sir. I am a living testament. That that is not true. You you still got to deal with a whole bunch of stuff, whole bunch of shortcomings, whole bunch of sin. You still have to deal with that. That's why he says in the very first line, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. When I say self-control, I do not mean your own personal effort. I mean the last listed fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Use the power that the spirit of the ever-living God has put inside of you. Use that as a way to discipline yourself, your heart, and your mind to holiness. This statement by Peter is an admonition for us to set our minds on the things of God and use the fruit of the Spirit's self-control to live in the way that Jesus instructs for us. So when you say holy, what does that mean? Because I would hear every once in a while people in the culture use holy as a derogatory thing oh, look at little Miss Holy Roller over there. Or, oh, you're pretty, you're a lot holier than thou, huh? You think you're so much better than me, little Miss Holy, little Mr. Holy. You, you think you're so much better than everybody else, right? And they use that as a derogatory word because in some contexts, there have been Christians who do what? Look down their nose at people and they're like, oh my goodness, I don't act that way because I'm a Christian, That haven't helped us at all, right? Like, oh, how uncouth. You know what I mean? Or they, they use some kind of weird word or they try to be like, they look at people who are doing sin and they're like icky and they like kind of move on, right? That has not helped us at all in our definition of holiness because holiness has nothing to do with arrogance, It has nothing to do with us being above somebody else or having an ability that somebody else doesn't have because you don't have that ability to be that good without the spirit of God and his fruit growing in you. So what does holy mean? There's three quick definitions that are in your notes here. Ready? The first one is set apart by or for God. Set apart by or for God. The second one, Dedicated or consecrated to God. Dedicated or consecrated to God. And the third one is morally and spiritually excellent. Morally and spiritually excellent. After we respond to the call of God to himself, this is, is what is expected of us. Now, if we were to put out on the website or online or Facebook or YouTube or some advertisement online, you know, somewhere or pass out cards to be like, hey, come to Roots Community Church this weekend. We're talking about holiness. That is not like one of those like, ooh, yeah, like, like live your dreams, like go, you know, succeed in your life and like everything you do is going to be blessed. That's not that message. It's not popular. It's not one of you advertise that people run and be like, yes, how can I be more holy? They don't want to do that because our culture is giving us a pass on what they think is right and wrong, and they will extend it to us if we want it. But the culture does not define what's right and wrong for us. Scripture does. The cultural view of holiness is I'm announcing I'm morally superior to you. But the biblical definition of holiness is being set apart from the sinful, self satisfying, fleshly ideas our worldly culture endorses so we can point others to Christ. Our second call is to holiness. Our second call is to holiness. Why do this, Matt? Why does God want us to do that? Um, I grew up in Florida, Tampa Bay, Super Bowl champions, Buccaneers, woo! Um, and uh, there was a a lot of bridges because there was like a lot of these creeks and rivers. And I lived in Clearwater, just outside Tampa, and there was three big. Bridges that would go over the bay to from Clearwater to Tampa and my dad would drive them. There was a Courtney Campbell Causeway and there was the all these other other um, bridges that would go over and the biggest bridge that we had in the state and it was the largest one that was around for a long time was called the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. You may have heard of it, but if you want to Google it on the way home, it is massive, massive. Well, when it was originally built, um, this thing, I mean, it's hundreds of feet in the middle. Like when you see it in the distance, it is you look and go, I'm going to drive over that thing. Like your stomach gets queasy, like driving right up to it. It's, it's, it's massive. Well, um, it was a, uh, it was one of those that pulled up in the middle. And when it was first designed and built, um, there was a guy who was doing, who was driving a boat in a barge and they would, you know, put the lights on and you know, everyone would stop and they'd put it up and let the guy go in the middle of the bridge and put it back down and go. Well, the guy um i don't know if he had just misnavigated or fell asleep or something like that but he hit he hit the bridge and when he hit the bridge the middle section broke and all of these cars that were there started coming down and it killed several people who fell off who were in those cars and those bridges they had to rebuild the entire bridge to withstand this you know they they actually rebuilt the whole thing and there's at one point, you could drive over the new part and look down on the old part. It's even higher than the, the, the old one is. The new one is higher than the older one is. Picture for a second that 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 illustration in your mind and the middle of the gate is out, and there are people that are driving as fast as they can just right up that, right up the bridge, and you caught wind that the middle part of the section of the bridge is Destroy it and it's out. What do you do? Do you stand there and wave at the people who are going by? Or do you stand there and go, hey, you're going the wrong way. If you don't stop, it's going to end in death for you. This is part of the reason for holiness. Holiness because the culture is going its own way. And to stand in opposition to the culture is not for you to go, I'm against you. No, it's to be like, hey, you're going the wrong way. If you keep going down this road, if you keep following this path, if you keep going down, uh, uh, making these choices down your life, I know how it ends up. Stop right here. There's somebody here on the side of the road with a sign that's going, no, the bridge is out. Stop, stop, stop. And hopefully someone is going to see you and stop and ask what are you talking about it's another way for us to look at the culture that is going on the way to destruction which we all were until Jesus for us to stop the car pull over and some of us are crazy enough to stand in the road stop great that's one of the reasons God instructs us to be holy Notice that he says that um, the last, in in that verse in 1 Peter, for the scriptures say, be holy for I am holy. This is a nod to the Old Testament. Three times God told the children of Israel, three times he told them, hey, you're participating in things that are wrong. You're worshiping other gods. You're, You're following other avenues. You're going the wrong way. I want you to stop be separate, be set apart, by me and for me. I want you to stand in opposition to the culture, be holy, morally and spiritually correct. And there's only one way to do that, is to answer the call to him, submit to what he wants. And understand what he says in his word for us to do and how we're supposed to live. Number three, our third call. This is the call that we were talking about earlier, kind of like your God-given life job. This would be kind of like the calling we were talking about earlier. And these are the only two places where the word calling is used. This particular word, calling, is used in this way in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, it's Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And then again, in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart. Set apart is what? Holiness. We just talked about it. He's saved. He, He answered the first call. He's set apart by God. That's the second call. And here he is after he's been saved and set apart. Now he's saying, I have been given an assignment and a task. It's the only place where the word "called" is used this way. Now, um, this the definition of the word "called" here. You'll notice is the same word "kletos," the f- same as the first word we used, but it has two different definitions. You might go, "How does that work?" Well, in English, if I said, um, "If I said um, I'm called to the ministry," you would say, "Oh." he wants to pursue a life and commitment of serving people in the church. Or if I said somebody called me yesterday, it has to do with my cell phone. Same word, two different applications. Understand? Same thing here with Kletos. This is the second way that it's applied. And in these two, in these two places, uh, it's in your notes here. The definition of the word Kletos here is called, to the discharge of some office divinely selected and appointed. Divinely selected and appointed. There's a pastor named Derek J. Prime who wrote a book um, called On Pastoring, and he explains the, the word call. He explains it very, very well. And I'm, I'm using his definition here for the next two spots in your notes here the call that we're talking about here the third call is a true um, I'm sorry the, the unmistakable conviction the unmistakable conviction an individual possesses that God wants them to do a specific task the unmistakable conviction an individual possesses that God wants them to do a specific task the reason that this is i really like this definition is because you can be called drawn um divinely selected to do to do something or to pursue a certain area with your life fulfilling your purpose you can be called in that area but god will give you specific tasks in that area to accomplish i'm called to music okay uh, which instrument? There's a bunch of them. Which part are you singing? Are you doing backup? Or are you leading? Are you producing? Are you a sound engineer? What kind of, what, what part of music? What kind of music? Where are you going to do all these things at? Is it going to be a career for you? Is it going to be a side gig? Are you going to do it for tips down at the subway? Or are you going to go to a church and volunteer? There's so many different things that can happen, so many different ways that can be explored. God can call you to an area, but he will go even more specific and give you a task or an assignment inside that area. That's why I love his definition. Next on your notes, a true calling moves past the statement, I want to, into a deeper conviction of, I have to. It moves past, I want to, into a deeper conviction of, I have to. So now you might be sitting here going, okay, I've answered the call to God. I understand that I'm the second call is to holiness. The third call is to be set apart for some specific jobs, specific task, specific assignment in some area. God has designed me to do these, do some things. So where do I start to figure out what that calling is? Galatians 5, 13 through 14. You have been called to live in freedom. You might stop right there and be like, awesome. I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm free. What is that song? To do what I want. In the old time. Who sings that song? Am I, I'm, I'm, Dude, I'm, I'm just old right now. Sorry, guys. It's an old one, an old one. Um, even when Mike is shaking his head at me, I'm like, oh, man, he doesn't even know that song. Um, and he's a musician. Great. So um, scratch that one. Rewind. You can't use your freedom just to do whatever it is you want to do. Galatians 5, 13 and 14, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Our third call is to serve. First call is to jesus to christ himself to salvation second one is to be set apart to be holy the third one is to serve our third call is to serve anything any calling that you feel like in your heart you feel like god's directing you in that only serves you or your interest is not your calling it always has to do with other people why the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment love your neighbor as yourself love god love people that's the serving we're talking about number four last line or last point for this this week's message it's equipped for our calling equipped for our calling so i want to talk about two things really quick that we are given to accomplish our specific God appointed task, our quote unquote calling. Letter A in your notes, a physical gift. This is a natural ability or skill. A natural ability or skill. God gave every single person at birth some type of ability or skill something that you have an interest in or a knack for doing <clears throat> um this is very evident last night at nine o'clock or between the hours of eight and ten p.m after the sun went down i decided i was going to work on my truck i decided i was going to take the door panels off and an hour and 15 minutes in i could not and three youtube videos down i couldn't get the door panel off the inside portion of my truck my truck is like almost 20 years old this should not be a problem right got an old truck should be able to pop that sucker off it's missing screws it's missing bolts there's things that are hanging I'm like you know taping it up there I'm like this should not be a problem and I could not get that sucker out to save my life And then after I finally figured out that there was one bolt like staring me in the face that I didn't pull off, and I pulled it off finally and got it off, the amount of stuff that I had strewn around me, I just looked and was like, I have to put all this back together tonight. I can't wait till tomorrow because we have things to do tomorrow. Why did I pick this night to do this? This is not a good idea. And so I pulled out one of the speakers I was trying to switch and it didn't work. And this thing broke and it was to shorten this wire. And I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to do this? I can't even. Okay, so I'm um, not going to fix this one. So put it all back together. One did the other one, tried to figure that one out. That one was hardwired. All the clips were broken on that one. I just but you know what? Okay, hopefully I can just make it look like it did when I pulled it all apart. Put it all back together and then left all the boxes in my truck and went and laid down. Nina's like, how'd it go? I was like, Terrible. I did wasted two hours of my life. I could not figure out how to do this at all. Matt does not have the skill to work on the car. Amen. amen. See, see, my wife is amen to me here. Mike Harris has a skill and a natural ability to work on the car. I should have called Mike for some help, but I call him all the time when my tr- old truck breaks down, and I feel bad sometimes. I want to call him, but for gen- for illustration purposes, he's got a skill to do that. I do not. It's something God installed him with. Matt, are you telling me I have a skill even though I don't like do anything fancy like art or draw or sing or dance or preach or teach? Yes, there is some skill God has bestowed upon all of you. Why do I know? Exodus 31, one through six. This is the Lord talking to Moses about the building of the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezaleel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and engage with all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Ohiliab, son of Ashmach, I guarantee you I said that wrong, from the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I have given, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. <clears throat> Just look for a second at the undescribable love of God. To give every human being a skill, invest in them an ability, knowing full well you could take that ability and use it for selfish intentions. He didn't say, wait till you get saved and then I get that skill. Wait till you be reconciled to me and you get that skill. Wait until you, um, you are, are called and you answer the first and the second and the third call and then you get the skill. No, he gives you a physical ability to do something. This passage should make all of the artists in the room insanely happy. Why? God gave you the skill to do this. He gave you a skill. Do not brush the artistic skill that God gave you off. I don't care how old you are or young you are in this room. Do not brush it off. Because if you've got a skill for it, God gave it to you for a purpose. You may not have discovered that purpose yet, but don't brush it off. He gave you a physical skill. A physical gift. The second thing he gives us. Now this is reserved for believers. Letter B is a spiritual gift first corinthians 12 4 through 11 there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source of them all there are different kinds of service but we serve the same lord god works in different ways but it is the same god who does the work in all of us a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other to one person the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to the other he uh, the same spirit gives the messenger um i'm sorry the, gives a message of special knowledge the same spirit gives great faith to another to another the same spirit gives a mess i'm sorry um The gift of healing, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. This exact passage is almost is repeated, almost verbatim, in two other places, Romans 12 and in 1 Peter 5. If you want to read those later um, in the week in your own time, um, I put the references down there for you. God alone decides who gets what spiritual gift. When you get saved, you answer that first call, it gives you a spiritual gift. Now, the list I just read and that are in these passages is not the full list of what the spiritual gifts are that's why he starts there are all kinds of spiritual gifts and then he lifts off as uh, just a a good chunk of them but these are not the only spiritual gifts our gifts next on your notes will be evident to the other believers around us now this is important for those of you who say, okay, I might know what my physical gift is or my, my, my natural gift, or I have ability to maybe sing, to dance, to you know do math very well, I'm good at law or whatever. You have an ability to kind of wrap your head, a natural ability to do something. But what's my spiritual gift? Your gift might be to serve. That's a broad area. But answering the call to him, answering the call to holiness, answering the call to serve, will begin to define, the Spirit of God will begin to define for you what that spiritual gift is, and it's going to be evident around uh, the people around you. And you may look at me and be like, other people get to tell me what my gift is? No. Other people cannot be the source of your understanding of the gift. They're a confirmation. Let me give you um, an example of that. Um, you may, if, if I stood up here this week and said, hey, it's my last week preaching at RCC. Um, I'm not going to be speaking here anymore. I'm not going to be involved in the pastor thing. It's been fun. I'm on a wild ride. I'm bouncing. And what, I'm not, by the way, just about hypothetically. Some of you are getting excited. Some of you are getting worried. Some of you are like, what's he doing? Um, That's just an example. Just an example. Um, if I were to stand here and say that after the service today, and then you would say, Matt, what are you going to go do? And I said, I am going to on the breakdancing circuit i am going to fight b-boy battles for the lord i'm cashing in my pastor call i'm, I'm taking an, a, the role of an evangelist and i'm taking this very rhythmic body i have and i'm gonna now if you saw me do that you understand how ludicrous this idea would be right like i i would trip over myself just getting like the little warm-up stance going right that would be it would be a terrible idea. My wife agrees. She's seen me dance before. It's not funny. I mean, it's not. Well, it is funny. It's not good. I should say it's not good. Jill is nodding. I don't know why. So, um, if I told you I was doing that, told you I'm cashing in the pastor thing for the evangelist role, and I'm cashing in the teaching of God's word and the and the and the and the the the, uh, the diving into presenting and feeding the flock of God, and I'm going to go do that, you would look at me and be like, "You have the." dexterity of a Gumby doll like that's all you, you can't move past that Matt that. like you don't have no dance moves and I've seen you operate in a different gift I've seen you operate and be effective in a different area I'm telling you what you're doing now is what you're supposed to be doing let somebody else go do the b-boy battle it would be evident to you even in my humorous you know kind of kind of kind of ridiculous scenario here. It would be evident to you that I'm operating in the wrong thing. In the same way, it would be evident to those other believers around you, which is another value of your faith community and getting real relationships here in this room. When you say to somebody, man, I feel like God's leading me in this direction, I can totally see that. God's leading me in this direction. Really? I didn't even know you did that oh yeah, I I just, new interest for me. Okay, well, maybe try that, test that out before you run down that road. Every single person that Nina and I met before we started RCC, most of you know the story, we did not want to start this church, we did not want to be pastors, and we surely did not want to start it from the ground up in our living room, and that's exactly what God told us to do. Um, but every person we sat down for the months before we started and sat down and said, hey, we feel like God's calling us to pastor a church. You are our friends before we could even ask them, hey, what do you think about that? You know, will you pray with us about that. Is that something that you would kind of, con- you know, confirm or look at us, say we're going the wrong direction. Every single person, every single one, not even one of them said anything different. Oh, yeah, we were just waiting for how long it'd take you to figure that out. We already knew that every single person, more than a dozen people. It's like, oh, we're out here asking for help and we're slow, <laughs> you know, we were, we were slow to the party. It's evident to the people around you. Um, your calling also might be shaped in a different direction of something that you may want to do really badly. I'll give you one last example and then we'll, talk, we'll wrap up um, on these last few points here i was given an opportunity in ministry school to do school assemblies and if you've never been to a old school city conquest master's commission school assembly you missed out on a awesome time it was loud it was a ruckus i was not dancing somebody else was i introduced the dance teams as close as i got to it um, but they were dancing somebody was rapping I, I tried that once it was really bad um but You know, they did all the stuff and then we would break bricks and like we would, you know, snap bats and rip phone books in half. And it was awesome. And it was just a great time to to do like anti-drug, anti-gang, you know, anti-violence, pro, you know, pro-positivity messages because you can't preach in the schools. And it was so much fun. I went on a trip to Oklahoma and did 16 of these things in eight days, seven days, seven days, including church services at night. It was a blast. And the guy who was running it was like, Matt, man, you got a kind of gift for this. You like this. I was like, yeah, I do. Standing up there and being like, if y'all listen to me for the next 10 minutes, I'll put my forehead through two feet of concrete. Some of you are like, that explains so much. Um, but I digress. And I just loved it. It was so much fun. And um, they they gave me an opportunity. Hey, do you want to put all your time, focus, and energy into City Conquest? Because you like it and you're really good at it and as I would pray about it and think about it I felt more and more inside of my heart that the Spirit of God was going no I want you to go to this direction but I really like that I want you to do music I'm not really good at music I can do it and just not really good at it and the more and more I sat with it the more and more it made me sad but I had to let that opportunity go. What I didn't know at that moment was going this direction would end, and well, I mean, begin with me finding my wife in this area, 14 albums, traveling all over the place and getting an opportunity to lead worship and speak two large groups of people, small groups of people, conferences, church services, youth groups, everybody that I didn't know was preparing me for now. Sometimes you got to let the thing that you really like that, I could see how that could work. And the spirit of God says, nope, I have something else for you. It was fun. Go do one once a month, just for fun on your off time. But spend your time here. Sometimes you've got to give up the thing that might be fun you want to do to do what you're supposed to do, but all of them will still use your gifting. All of them will still use your physical and your spiritual gift. So the biblical ingredients for fulfilling our calling, it's these last six little lines, we'll go through these pretty quick. The first ingredient, salvation. Keep our relationship with Christ as the center of our life. The second one, holiness, strive to live holy. Third, serving, focus on serving God and others. The fourth one, giftings, work to improve our skill, in parentheses, birth, that was given to us at birth, and pair it with our spiritual gift that was given to us at our rebirth when we were born again. Fifth one, obedience, obey the direction of the Lord. And the last one is ambassadors. We do all this for the purpose of pointing others to Christ and reflect the light of Christ to a dark world. The call of God is multiple. The first call is what? I'm sorry, to Jesus. Second call is to what? Holiness. Third call is to serve. And two of the things he gives us to accomplish that has equipped us to do that is what? A physical gift and a spiritual gift. All of those things together are the ingredients for the recipe of fulfilling the call of God I don't pretend that everybody in this room is all the way at the end there might be some people in this room who say you know what I haven't answered the first call and that's to God and the faith in him and salvation you may have thought well man I I, I gave my life to him. I believe in Jesus. I've confessed him. I'm a new person, but haven't really thought a lot about this holiness thing. Living spiritually and morally correct. That's the way that Jesus has lined out for us in his word. You might think, well, man, I'm not perfectly holy, but I'm working on that. I'm moving on in that direction, and that's a constant goal for me and it should be. I'm ready for my calling. I'm not sure what that is, but it's to serve. You're struggling with, man, how is serving others mean my calling is fulfilled? You might be at the end trying to determine your physical gift or your spiritual gift or how they mesh. You might be asking, where in the world does God want me specifically? The only way to answer any of those questions is to ask him. The messages we speak here are to feed people, but they work really well in a confirmation role. God's been dealing with you in something. He's been telling you, I want you to walk this way. I want you to let this go. I want you to go in this direction. I want you to do a 180 and go in the other direction. I want you to pick up this skill. I want you to realize what I've given you. I want you to identify the spiritual gift that you've been giving, and I want you to begin to act in that Because if you'll come to him, live a holy life, follow his direction, serve God and other people with your spiritual and physical gift, the fullness of life that you will experience here will overrun you and will only be better when you get to heaven and see your Savior face to face. The fullness of life doesn't promise fame, it doesn't promise money, it doesn't promise anything else other than you will have lived well for the gospel and submitted your full life to Christ.